Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavins. This episode of the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Sign up now at FanDuel.com slash Boston and claim your $200 bonus. Before we get into round two happening later tonight, of course, we got to recap what happened last night, Greg. The Patriots sent the 14th pick in the draft to the Steelers for number 17 and number 120, which is a fourth round pick. And uh, first, let's talk about the trade back. Your thoughts on it. I loved it at the time. Not hindsight 2020. I was fine with them moving back. I thought they had four or five guys that were on the board that made sense. So I was cool with it. But when you saw the trade happen, what were your initial thoughts? Uh, my initial thoughts were um, that the Patriots had probably reached the limit of you know, who they had rated that was worthy of that spot. And they probably had a group of guys that they would have been fine with and uh, that the Steelers wanted to come up likely for a tackle. And that was a team actually I, in uh, one of my mock drafts um, before the draft, I said that they would come up. I actually predicted them to trade with the Packers before the Rogers thing. So right in front of the Patriots, um, and uh, so it didn't surprise me that the Steelers came up. I think it was a, you know, it was a good move by the Patriots. I mean, you know, look, you also need to say that um, the Patriots were risking a little bit. I mean, if Christian Gonzalez was their guy, and again, this this is what leads me to think that Christian Gonzalez was part of a group of four or five guys, which is normally how it goes with every pick that you're like, all right, well, we'd be happy with one of these guys. We're going to get one of these guys. Um, we don't mind dropping back. And and I know that Macro said after the draft that they had a pretty good idea that Gonzalez was still going to be there, and that might well be the fact. But, you know, somebody could always jump up. If somebody wanted Christian Gonzalez, they could always jump up in front of the Patriots and, and take him. So there's always a risk. But, you know, I thought it was a smart risk at the time. I'm not going to um, – you know, I'm not, people know me, I'm not one of these guys that, that goes over the top with hyperbole. So I'm not going to say like, you know, the Patriot, you know, Bill Belichick, uh, you know, got one over on the NFL or he's playing chess and checkers, you know, all that stuff. Like, you know, look, they had a group of guys, they got an offer, they got to drop down a few spots, pick up an extra pick that they can use later on, probably to trade up for something. And uh, so, you know, that was a good move. Yeah, Deontay Banks was still on the board, who 
obviously went to the Giants, and there's the link with with that coaching staff and the Patriots. So you wonder if Banks was one of the guys that was on the list, and they were looking at it and said, well, yeah, Gonzalez is better than Banks, but not by a ton in our estimation, so we can move down. Joey Porter Jr. is still on the board. He was a guy that was linked to the Patriots during the mock process. And and I will say that Gro did admit that it was a risk because of the trade. And he said during his answer last night, hey, look, we had just traded. So it's rather obvious somebody could have jumped up and taken Gonzalez, but you know, we were we were willing to take that risk. All right, let's let's talk about Gonzalez himself, the player. Before we get to how he fell and how the Patriots might have screwed around with the Jets a little bit, just your thoughts, Greg, on the pick itself. Christian Gonzalez, cornerback from Oregon, uh going number 17 to the Pats. Just purely on what we can see, which is um film, measurables. The fact that he's not even 21 yet, um, I thought it was a home run pick. I mean, you know, especially given where they are at the position, their need, which you and I have been talking about forever, probably back to last season, about how, like, they don't have a number one cornerback. They don't have a tall matchup cornerback. Um, They have a bunch of guys who are sort of the same size or smaller, and that's fine against – uh, most of the teams that they play or half the teams that they play, but against other teams, the better quarterbacks, the better offenses, the better number one receiver, the Patriots struggle. They've struggled for years because ever since sort of, you know, Stefan Gilmore sort of declined and got hurt and they just, they haven't been able to match up and it's, and it's hurt them against the best team. So on paper, what we can see, you know, Gonzalez is a phenomenal prospect. I mean, you know, he's six foot one and a half, um, really good speed, like uh, 4.38, 4.39 speed, a great jumping ability, um, great balance, great hips, um, you know, really fluid, um, can play just about any coverage, really good press man traits, um, can match up, now gives the Patriots ability to match up with bigger receivers or, you know, number one receiving options like, a you know, a Justin Jefferson, who they got roasted by last year. You know, a Stefan Diggs, maybe because of his size, he might go to more of a Gabe Davis and sort of double team Stefan Diggs. But, you know, just just on what we can see and, you know, I I just think it's a home run pick for them. I agree with you. And we went into the draft. We talked about this. We did our mock draft. I, I actually got pretty fortunate with the PFF mock draft, the simulation I ran before we did our pod a week or two ago, and I drafted Gonzalez at 14. I didn't think he would be there at 14. The fact that you move down to 17, you add a pick, and you still get the guy. couple of things, though, why I just I, I love this pick. Number one, he's a legit blue-chip prospect. Yep. Nobody's a guarantee. Nobody's a guarantee. You don't know if anybody's going to work out. You know, Hopefully they all stay healthy. But to get a legit blue chip prospect out of this draft is a big, big thing when you're sitting there, even at 14, especially when that blue chip prospect is at a premier position in the league. We talk premier positions. We talk quarterback, cornerback, edge, and offensive tackle. You just landed a guy who projects as a legit CB1 who can shut down some of the very good receivers in this league, if not some of the best receivers. So to get that guy where you got him legit blue chip prospect at a premier position. Also, you hit the nail on the head, Greg. Number one position of need to me was CB1. I don't love the depth chart. 
I think they needed somebody who could be on the boundary, somebody who is big, somebody who can play physical, somebody who, you know, shows that he wants to play, um, you know, day in and day out. And I know there were some questions about whether or not he went truly hard every day. And, you know, he, he had to develop his ball skills and his tackling. And, and he did just that last year, which shows me the young man works and wants to work. He developed some of the skills that he needed to, which I think is a great sign. But number one position of need, boundary guy with size who also has some speed, which is another thing we've talked about ad nauseum on this podcast over the past couple of years. You want speed on this defense. And I love the fact that Matt Groh came out and he said before this draft, you can't add enough speed. And then he backed it up with his actions and they backed it up with their actions. They went out and they found a guy who has a four, three, eight, 40, as you mentioned. So you add even more speed to this defense. And when you look at it overall, Greg, I'm not telling you they're a top three defense. And we went over some of the struggles they had against some of the better quarterbacks in the league last year. But when you look at the pieces, man, what they have done over the past couple of years, they have slowly built a young, somewhat explosive defense. Uche, Judon, Barmore, if he can stay healthy, Marcus Jones, Kyle Duggar. Now you add Gonzalez. You've got five or six guys on this defense that can explode and are really good athletes for their for their respective positions. We could not say that four or five years ago. So I think they've done a pretty damn good job of addressing some of those things defensively. And one last thing, I love the idea that you got him at 17, Greg, because, you know, I'm not a big intangibles guy or anything, but honestly, he's got to be pretty pissed. He was somebody who was considered to be a top 10 pick. He was somebody that I saw in some mock drafts, and look, mock drafts take him or leave him. But, you know, he was he was considered maybe going as high as five, six. Some people thought maybe seven to Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler, and the Raiders. And he falls all the way down to 17. I have to imagine he's going to have a pretty big chip walking into the league. And I'm sure the coaching staff is going to remind, remind him at times, yeah, man, you, you were supposed to be a top 10 guy. Look at all the teams that passed up on you. So you might even get a motivated, legit blue chip prospect. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's definitely possible. Um, you know, just the background on the kid's makeup. I don't, I don't think that's, um, you know, going to be a primary concern for him or that's just not the way he's wired. Like he's, you know, part of the reason why I think he fell and we'll get into that um, right now, but um, is that he's not an alpha type of guy. He's not, he doesn't burn hot. And so, but he's, you know, he's, he's cool. And so, I don't think that's going to be um, a factor for him, but um, could be. All right, let's talk about why he fell. You just mentioned, uh, you know, there are some questions. There were some questions heading into last year about his ball skills. Uh, he had four interceptions. Looks like he's worked on that. He's improved. He could still continue to improve there. Uh, there were some questions about, you know, how physical he plays at times. We talked about it with Witherspoon, who went five to Seattle. Another another thing that it seemed like he worked on, he's a willing tackler. He might not be the most hard-hitting guy and physical dude, but he's at least willing to do what he's got to do, which which I think is good. But but why do you think why do you think he fell and and, and Greg, how do NFL scouts look at these guys when when they get ready for the draft? Yeah, I mean, you know, I know these guys go deep on these guys, but this this talking to um uh, a national NFL scout who um, for years had the West. So he's seen Christian Gonzalez at, you know, he saw him at Colorado, um, you know, saw him at Oregon. 
Um, you know, talking to him, it was interesting. Um, you know, I, I would say the the questions about him and, and one NFL coach put it like this as sort of the big picture thing. Uh, mental toughness, emotional issues, f- maturity, physical toughness, why he fell so far. And, you know, let me just say, like, look, I'm just passing on information. I have no judgment. I don't study these guys like, you know, a drop in the bucket. And I'm certainly not going deep on their backgrounds and stuff like that. And like I said, on film, this dude's a top 10 prospect, n- no doubt. Um, but you know, this is why he was available at 14 and then available at 17. And who knows, he could have fallen further if the Patriots didn't take him there. Um, you know, it, it's basically, it's a lot of puzzle fitting. And I I, nece- I don't necessarily buy into it. I think that there are other um, easy explanations. Let's also note that the Patriots have a lot of good intel in the building and that Adrian Clem, their new line coach, was at Oregon the previous two years. So, um, you know, he saw or he saw uh, Christian Gonzalez up close um, every day in practice and in, in the locker room and stuff like that. So nobody's going to have better in, intel than Adrian Clem. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of this, you know, th- there there are questions about, first of all, he was on JV as a sophomore at one high school, Carrollton High School in Texas. Um, I would explain that as some people just develop later. Um, you know, he wasn't very strong at the time and, um, you know, so that's not a big deal. I mean, you know, my son was small. He just started to grow. He's a sophomore. Yeah. He just started to grow the past year. Um, these things happen. Um, so I, I don't look big into that. Um, there are questions about why he transferred then. So to give you a background, Gonzalez has two sisters who are world-class sprinters, and they were world-class sprinters at Carrollton High School in Texas. And there's a feeling that he couldn't deal with the spotlight uh, or living in the shadow of his sisters at Carrollton. I don't know whether this is true or not, but I'm just telling you, this is this is some of the thinking that goes on in the NFL, and that he he transferred to the colony – so he could sort of be his own guy. I don't see that as a negative necessarily, but that's just sort of the background. Then also transferring Colorado, you know, it's a different age, you know, with the transfer portal and things like that. And he went with like his position coach and he went to, you know, Colorado stunk. Oregon's good. I mean, <laughs> not that big a deal to me, but, you know, you put all that stuff together. Here's another, Nick, here's a little inside thing on how deeply these guys look into it. Um, and again, I'm not saying I agree with this. I'm just passing it along. This is not my own opinion, but watch the video of Christian Gonzalez when he's announced, I think, I don't know if it was ESPN and NFL network went to him in wherever he was and he stands up, he gets picked and, you know, he hugs somebody daps up, I I think his youngest sister. And you see one of his older sisters and both these sisters are older than him a couple years. One of his sisters is sort of just off to the screen, but you can see her. And Gonzalez doesn't really even acknowledge her. So I could tell you that like one scout looks at it and be like, you know, what's the deal with this guy and his sister? So 
all of this stuff, you put all these puzzle pieces together and it leads some teams to believe. And again, I'll say, I think this is nitpicking. I think that th- this is where some NFL scouts get stuff wrong. And I think the Patriots are going to benefit that they put all of this stuff together. Plus the, you know, the lack of, he's not an alpha, which a lot of people believe to be picked in the top half of the first round at cornerback, you need to be an alpha. You know, one of these guys with swag and all that stuff. He doesn't have that. Um, you know, you put all this stuff together and they just worry about his mentality. Is he going to be able to withstand the spotlight and the inevitable ups and downs that come with being a number one cornerback going against Stefan Diggs all game, Justin Jefferson all game, um, you know, Garrett Wilson all game, you know, all that stuff. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, like, you know, is he going to be able to handle the ups and the downs? Uh, you know, I think it's overrated. I When I watched this film, I saw a guy similar to Namdi Asamoa, who was, um, <clears throat> excuse me, 31st overall pick, tra- uh, went from safety to cornerback, struggled his first two years, and then he was like first or second team all pro to like four times over the next like six years. And Namdi was a guy who was, you know, quieter, more cerebral, not as physical, didn't have swag, but he was still a damn good player. And so um, it just shows you like how people can view things interesting. But I, again, I, I, the different ways. I do think at the bottom line, the Patriots think they have really good intel from Clem and their contacts at Oregon. They view him a certain way. Other teams view Christian Gonzalez a certain way. And if I had to guess right now, I think the Patriots are right. I think that they were, you know, they were right to take this bet on this player because the physical skills are, are, are too great, but you know, you do worry about the mental side at that position in this division. Yeah. We got to move things uh, forward quickly, but I just wanted to slide a couple of, you know, reactions to what you just said. I couldn't care less about the dude's relationship with his sister. Uh, I mean, I don't want to sound like an ass, but this isn't about, you know, drafting a guy who has a good relationship with everybody in his family. Aaron Rodgers has some of the most top, toxic relationships with his family members and is going to go to the hall of fame. So, uh, you know, he didn't dap up his sister. Give me a break. The scout, whoever said that you're just, you're, you're reaching, you're trying to find things at that point, the maturity thing. I don't know him personally. I know when I was 20 years old, I wasn't as mature as I am now when I'm in my early forties. So the dude's 20, he probably isn't the most mature person that that he can be and will be Uh, as far as his, he's not an alpha. Stefan Gilmore wasn't the loudest dude in the room. But he was just damn good at what he did. So I can live with that. And as far as, you know, how he will react on the field and do this and do that. Again, the tape is the tape. And when it's game time, he has he has proven on the field to be arguably the best cornerback in this draft. You either have him or you have Witherspoon. So, yeah, I think that's a lot of reaching. Uh, Quickly, his fit in this secondary, Greg, we now have Gonzalez. Jonathan Jones, who is somebody I forgot to mention as far as athlete. He's super fast. Marcus Jones, Jack Jones. How do you feel today about this depth chart versus the way you felt 24 hours ago? Well, I like it. And at some point in time, I think they get to the point where Gonzalez is the number one, Jack Jones is the number two boundary, and Jonathan Jones goes back to his slot. And I think that makes the Patriots better. You know, how long it's going to take to get there. You know, I'm not really sure. I think the Patriots are going to put this kid through the grinder, just like they do everybody. Just like, you know, Mac Jones came in and had to compete with Cam Newton. Um, This kid's going to have to earn everything that he gets. And if he's not ready, I think the Patriots feel confident in, you know, what they have as far as, 
you know the jo- the three Jones boys, Jalen Mills, Miles Bryant, um, you know that sort of thing. But um, I-, I think that at least to start, he's sort of like the third or fourth you know matchup guy. But you know I, he's that talented. I expect him to hit pretty quickly. I don't know if he'll be the number one guy off the bat, but he'll be pretty close. I think everybody slots down a spot, and that's sort of what we talked about last year that they were missing a number one where everybody sort of slots down a spot and that makes them that much better. I think that this, this move does that. I feel a hell of a lot better about their depth chart today. And I'm excited to see this kid play. I'm excited to see this defense. Uh, I think they'll continue to add to this defense in the next couple of days, which we'll get to in a minute. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. By the way, Nick, remember we talked previously about how like I, I had a future bet on the Patriots and what position they would take, and I, I was anticipating a trade down, and I had one player in mind, you know, Jack Campbell, and guess, you know, the guy, my binky at linebacker goes 18. Like, so I was in the vicinity, and but I, could, I, I was surprised he went that high. All right, we're short on time. We're going to get through this pretty quickly here. Let's look forward to day two tonight. Um, obviously the Patriots have a, a ton of picks they, they have four fourth rounders. They have four sixth rounders. Uh, Mike Giardi already this morning tweeting that the Patriots have had some discussions about moving up. Greg, uh, what should we expect tonight? Should, should it be a busy night for the Patriots? Yeah, I would expect them to trade up, um, maybe a couple times in, um, in both rounds. Um, you know, look, offensive tackle is still a big hole. You know, in my mind, on my board, Dewan Jones from Ohio State is the last really impact offensive lineman left. Um, you know, look, there's some red flags on him, but, you know, this scout that I talked to about Gonzalez, he doesn't think that Dewan Jones has many red flags, that, that he certainly manageable and be, would be worthy of a second-round pick. You know, once Dewan Jones is gone, then you're getting into, like, Matt Bergeron from Syracuse, who... You know, he'd be fine and he'd be a typical Patriots pick, but, you know, most see him as only a guard, and I don't think he has a whole lot of upside. Cam Worm from Pittsburgh uh, is, you know, rock solid, but nothing flashy. Then you get into projects like Jalen Duncan, Blake Freeland. Tight ends is, that's where the value's at right now. Only one, Dalton Kincaid, went in the first round. No, Michael Myers still out there, but guys that I liked ahead of Myers. You know, you get Musgrave and Laporta, and then also Darnell Washington as a Y. All of a sudden, you're doing the Gronk, Gronkowski-Hernandez thing. Uh, Tucker Craft as well. As far as receivers, um, you know, you have Josh Downs from North Carolina. I'm not big on him. But Jonathan Mingo from Mississippi, Jaden Reed, Tyler Scott. Um, so those are sort of some of the big guys that uh, I, I would look at tackle. You know, if they get a tackle. And then they get more athletic, say, at like linebacker or, you know, they add another tight end to be ready when one of these guys leaves after the year. You know, I think you feel really good about the first three three picks. Yeah, I, there was a video that surfaced on social media last night. The Patriots, when they released their draft video, whatever the case may be, 
um, the computer in front of Belichick, there was uh, North Carolina highlights, and people are are saying, well, did he give us a tip that Downs is the guy in the second round? Was he watching football on Downs? <laughs> uh, but, yeah, you, you mentioned most of the names, right? I mean, look, everybody knows that I'm a big Michael Meyer guy. I'm a Notre Dame football fan. I think he's tremendous. I, I think he's being undervalued. He's not a superior athlete, but he can get down the field. He can make catches. Uh, on the boundary, he he can go down the seam. He has great hands. Um, he he does do a decent job of of yards after the catch, even though he's not the most explosive dude in the room. Uh, he's a really good red zone target. I I think I think he's going to be a really good pro. Uh, Washington is is that freak six seven, you know, just a huge human two sixty two sixty five. Uh, Mingo was a name that's been thrown out there that would be interesting. He's also another kind of athletic freak. Physically like A.J. Brown, I would not compare him to A.J. Brown because A.J. Brown's A.J. Brown. But, you know, same school, same kind of build. Uh, so he's an interesting guy. Offensive tackle, tight end. I wouldn't even be surprised if they go edge if they like somebody. Uh, but they have a number of picks, and, and I think they're going to be active. And uh, look, I don't think they could have done better than they did on night one. Uh, if they follow up night two and they give us something to be as excited about, then, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be very, very, very optimistic about what they did uh, on draft weekend. The episode of Greg Bedard Patriots podcast, Nick Cattles brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS media network. Sign up now at FanDuel.com slash Boston. Claim your $200 bonus. We'll all watch tonight. We'll watch tomorrow. Uh, Greg and I, if, if our schedules uh, make it work, we're going to try to do a uh, post draft recap for all of you. But until then, enjoy the moves, enjoy the picks, be healthy, be safe, be good, and uh, congrats to the Celtics for moving on, and hopefully the Bruins take care of business as well in Game 6 tonight down in Florida.